You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Shalom, Chavarin Shalanu. You guys already know what that means. It's peace to you, our friends. In Hebrew, this is Keith Johnson with Nehemia Gordon, ready to take another peek into the prophets to see if we can find some pearls to share with you. Shalom, Chavel Shali, Ata, Muhan, are you ready? Ani Muhan, Keith, I am ready to uh, plunge down deep into the water, into the depths to find the pearls. Hey, man, that's exactly what we're going to do. It's, 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 it's really, I, I love these stories, you know. I'm, 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 a, I'm a Bible story reading pastor. That's just the bottom line. So whenever we get to a story, I always get real excited. But um, we're going to be reading a story today that is uh, is really well, well known. Um, a lot of people know about it. It's funny, Nehemia, it, there's a lot of stories in Scripture that, that I'll mention to people that have even been long-term people uh, in the church, and 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 they won't and they won't know um, anything about the story. And I've I'm always been surprised by that. But then when I think about what's happening in most in most churches on Sunday morning, um, they did a, they did a survey not long ago that said that um that most preachers um don't even preach out of the Gospels as much, but they mostly preach from the from the letters of Paul. And you think about that, there's something like eighty percent or something. And that the uh, Old Testament, quote unquote, is used for the really well-known stories like, you know, Noah and the Ark and, and uh, Adam and Eve. But a story like this is so, so crucial to understanding. And I think a lot of it just has to do for me what I call, again, is context. And we actually addressed the first part of this story. We didn't get to this part. The first part of the story where, where David was on his deathbed. You remember we did that, mm-hmm. that prophet prose. If you have not heard the entire series so far, you really should take a Sabbath and and, uh, and just sit down and listen. I think it really gives people a great chance to kind of understand those passages that aren't so popular. There aren't ones that are uh, that are at least preached in the, in the tradition I come from. You heard mm-hmm. these these passages every year. I mean, well, so- you know, ha- having said that, you know, I was having a conversation. It, you know, a lot a lot of times what what Orthodox Jews will do, and and um, not just Orthodox Jews, uh, Jews in general, is these things will be read in the synagogue, and they're read in Hebrew. And even if you're a Hebrew speaker, it's not the Hebrew you speak; it's it's uh-huh. you know the old Hebrew. So it's like you know. Imagine if your pastor got up, well, actually, and started reading from the King James, so you might zone out. <laughs> yeah. And um, I was actually speaking to this Orthodox Jew, uh, someone's very close to me, and uh, uh, and when we were talking, I said something about Yiftach, which in Hebrew is Jephta, and I could tell from the look in his face he didn't know who Jephta was. And I said, have you ever read the book of uh, Judges? And he said, I, I don't read scripture, I study it. I said, oh, okay, smarty, smarty pants. <laughs> Have you ever studied the book of Judges? And, and this was a man who was the, um, uh, he was a gabai. He was the, um, the uh, I don't know what you call that in, in English. He's like the beetle of the synagogue. I mean, he ran all the administrative side of the synagogue. Mm-hmm. And for example, if someone was going to read from the, from, the, from the prophet's portion, he would assign that to someone to read. And there is a prophet's portion on Jephthah, but he had never studied it. He had never paid attention to what was being read, even though he assigned really? the portion and literally didn't know the story. Mm. Like, okay, so then that kind of happens in both cases. Yeah, the other thing I would tell you that yeah. I didn't understand, uh, this was way a long time ago in Nehemiah, it was 2002 when I went to Israel. Mm-hmm. I would ask someone about, and these are, these are Jewish people that I would be talking to, and I would ask them about something, you know, well, how do you read this passage or how do you see this passage? And there were a lot of people that I met that actually, I just kind of thought that they would be always opening up the Tanakh and reading it instead, it was they were in the synagogue, they were hearing it read, there was sort of the mm-hmm. things that they they were doing from a religious standpoint, but in terms of having the, the, the available Bible that's sitting around that they would open up, 
A lot of them didn't. And then the other thing that surprised me is how many um, rabbis that were primarily, it seemed as though they were studying uh, the oral law, the Mishnah, oh, yeah, and those absolutely. kinds of things. And I, that was that was surprising for me. Yeah, and and, and that's actually changing uh, even in the Orthodox Jewish world. Mm-hmm. But historically, um, and really even in some circles today, they will rabbis will study Talmud and they will not study the Tanakh. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They may actually read through it, but they're not actually paying attention to what they're reading. Yeah, and you know they're they're kind of like do, doing their duty and you know <laughs> getting through you know, the portions and and so what we really want to challenge people to do is to stop. And listen and and think about what is it that we've just read? What does this mean? Mm-hmm. What does it mean in its context? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's real tragic. So the, the Talmud will talk about a certain verse, and they'll know that verse, and they'll know every letter of the verse. But what does it say one verse before, one verse after? They've got no idea because they never bothered looking. Sounds familiar. Well, can we jump right in here? We're dealing <clears throat> do in, uh, in uh, First Kings chapter 3. And what's really interesting about the portion is we start in verse, uh, I think it's 15. Yeah, we start in verse fifteen, but there's no way you can start. You in can't. You, you can't know, do you it. Gotta start, you got to go to verse one. So you got to go to verse one. And so um, let's do this. Um, I'll have you read first. Why don't you Why don't you take a stab at the first part of it for context, okay. and then I'll add a little bit. And let's just you know give give the you know so basically the section we're talking about is the you know the famous story. This you got to know even if you've been falling asleep in your synagogue or churches. That you know, these two two women come before, uh, uh, and we'll talk more detail. These two women come before uh, Solomon, and there's a dispute whose baby it is, and he says, "Okay, cut the baby in half." And the you and the, away the story before. Okay, the context no, so I want to give the context. Well, we're about to give him the context. No, so we're I'm giving the context of the context. <laughs> so so um, so Solomon knows who's the real mother. Because she says, no, give it to the other woman, Don't just don't cut the baby in half. You just, know, you remind me of the people that would go and watch a movie, and uh, I'd say, I really got to go see that movie. And they'd say, oh, it's a great... Spoiler alert! It's a, it's, spoiler it's, alert! It's a great movie. <laughs> There's this part where you think it's him, and it's, what are you doing? Let's go to... No. The, I'll take over from no, here. Hold, hold, hold First on Kings, chapter so, three. So, so why is the context important? Because <laughs> this story of, of the two women and the baby is an illustration of Solomon's wisdom as a judge. Mm-hmm. Well... What we're about to read is where Solomon gets his wisdom from. Right. That's what's important here. Go ahead and read that. Okay. All right. So we are in, we're going to, all right. Now, I wonder if there's different verse numbers in the English because uh, in Hebrew, you know, it's the same verse number. So really, it starts in verse two, not in verse one. Okay. Uh, verse one is about Solomon marrying daughter Pharaoh. Does not nothing to do with our story. Okay. Um, and let's see, verse two. I'll read the JPS. The people, however, continue to offer sacrifices. At, it says in the JPS, the open shrines, but that's misleading. It's mm-hmm. the high places. Mm-hmm. Because up to that time, no house had been built for the name of Yehovah. Mm-hmm. You don't get excited by that, Keith. <laughs> um, and Solomon, or Shlomo in Hebrew, Shlomo, though he loved Yehovah and followed the practices of his father David, also sacrificed and offered at the Bamot, at the high places. Mm-hmm. The king went to Givon, to Gibeon, to sacrifice there, for that was the largest uh, Bama. On that altar, Solomon presented a thousand burnt offerings. Mm-hmm. At Givon, Yehovah appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what shall I grant you? And Shlomo said, You you dealt most graciously with your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in integrity of heart. You have continued this great kindness to him by giving him a son to occupy his throne, as is now the case. And now, O Yehovah, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am a young lad with no experience in leadership. Your f- servant finds himself in the midst of the, of the people you have chosen, a people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Grant then your servant an understanding mind to judge your people, to distinguish between good and bad, for who can judge this vast people of yours? 
Yehovah was pleased that Solomon asked for this. And God said to him, because you asked for this, you did not ask for long life, you did not ask for riches, you did not ask for life of your enemies, but you asked for discernment and dispensing justice. I now do as you have spoken. I grant you a wise and discerning mind. There has never been anyone like you before, nor will anyone uh, like you arise again. And I also grant you what you did not ask for, both riches and glory all your life, the life of which no king has ever had. And I will further grant you long life if you will walk in my ways and observe my laws and commandments as your uh, father David, uh, as did your father David. And now begins our section, which which is really in the middle of a, of a thought. It's it's actually the end of this section. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Shlomo awoke. It was a dream. He went to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the oh, Covenant. Just a second. About, so, yeah. wait, so, so you don't have a comment about the context? Oh, I have lots of comments. Comments. So one of the things that's really exciting about Kings is that there's a parallel in Chronicles. Mm-hmm. And you cannot read Kings really uh, completely without looking at the parallel in Chronicles. And this is 2 Chronicles chapter 1, mm-hmm. um, verses 1 to 13. And we won't read the whole thing, but I will bring um, some of the interesting... One, one of the controversies... So it says there's these high places where he went to sacrifice. And, mm-hmm. and they're forbidden to sacrifice the high places. Mm-hmm. Where do we know about that? From Leviticus 17 and Deuteronomy 12. Um, that you're forbidden to sacrifice at the high places. But then 2 Chronicles throws a, throws a uh, what do they call that, a monkey wrench in the works? Yeah. And um, let's look at that real quick. So basically the same thing happens. They go to the Bama, and it says, uh, verse 3 of 2 Chronicles 1, Then Solomon and all the assemblage with him went to the shrine, and again it's Bama in Hebrew, went to the Bama, the high place at Gibeon, and it says, For the tent of meeting which Moses, the servant of Jehovah, had made in the wilderness was there. Mm-hmm. And then it says in verse 4, but the ark of God David had brought up from Kiryat Arim to the place which David had prepared for it, for uh, for he had um, pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. So we've got this 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 split. The ark of the covenant, the Aaron, is in Jerusalem in a tent, mm-hmm. and the tent of meeting, the Oil Moed that Moses made, is in Giv- Givon and mm-hmm. Gibeon at a high place. Now wait a minute. We were many people will tell you, and 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 this isn't so such a crazy assumption. That the the um, the Ol Moed, the tent of the meeting, was destroyed um, after the Battle of Afek. Mm-hmm. That's the story where the Ark was taken, mm-hmm. and Eli, you know, was sitting on the chair, and he fell back and broke his neck. And then mm-hmm. the next thing we hear is in Jeremiah about how God abandoned the the, the tabernacle of Shiloh mm-hmm. uh, of Shiloh. So wait a minute, but it survived Shiloh and was brought to, um, or at least some something of it survived and was brought to Givon to Gibeon, and then it goes on to verse five and it says. The bronze altar, which Betzalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, had made, was also there before the tabernacle of Yehovah. And Solomon and the assemblage resorted to it. There Solomon assembled the bronze altar before Yehovah, which was at the tent of meeting, and on it sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. What on earth is going on? Mm-hmm. The way it sounded in Kings is that Solomon was sinning mm-hmm. because he was sacrificing at the Bamot. You know, it says he followed Yehovah, except he did this one thing. Mm-hmm. And here it's like this little piece of information which is, is confusing. The altar of of Betzalel from the book of Exodus was there, and the mm-hmm. tent of the meeting that Moses made. Mm-hmm. So what's going on? I mean, I, the thing that personally, when I was reading that, I thought to myself, "Wow, um, Solomon is trying." And I think the key for me was was when we read a little bit further in the beginning of the context. But Solomon is trying to do what um, he thinks he's supposed to do. Right. So whether this was a this was what everyone did before, or this is the place to go. What's interesting about it is when he says this. If we can go to this. In three verse uh, two, I'm sorry. In which chapter? Are you? I'm sorry. Kings. In First Kings three. Yeah. And it says, um, 
It says, now Solomon, and, it, and this is, I'm reading from the NASB here. We can also check uh, the Hebrew. Now Solomon loved Yehovah, yeah. walking in the statutes of his father David, yeah. except. Exactly. He, he Meaning it's clearly a sin. Yeah. There's no question about it. Right. And, and here's the really shocking thing that we get from Chronicles and taking it together with Kings. The tabernacle of Moses was there. The altar of Betzalel, the son of Uri from the book of Exodus was there. But it was still a sin to sacrifice there mm. because God had said only at the place where I put my name mm-hmm. and where his name was put is at the ark. Yes. Amen. And the ark was in Jerusalem. Amen. And so even though it had all the trappings, I mean, it, people there could say, but Moses built this. You're going to bring me a verse from Leviticus 17 and Deuteronomy 12. Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Moses built this tabernacle mm-hmm. and Bitsalel, who had the wisdom, he also had the wisdom mm-hmm. of Jehovah put in his heart. Um, he built this altar, but it was still a sin. And what really is amazing to me about this whole story is Yehovah still accepted his sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Yehovah still, you know, came to him and spoke to him. Didn't say, "Okay, now I cast you out. You're evil. Mm-hmm. You're going to hell mm-hmm. because you didn't you didn't do all the stipulations that you're supposed to do." And you did sin. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm acknowledging that. But you you love Yehovah and your heart's in the right place. Yeah, wow, is Yehovah me? <laughs> so so it says here that um and, and I you know the I. I I don't know about the issue of whether he accepted the sacrifice or not. We know that he he he, he, he responded, showed up. He responded. Yeah. Well, it says that he right. appeared to him right. in a dream at night, and God said, right. well, "Ask now, what now, you now wish." Now, I, I want to dwell on this just for one more minute mm-hmm. because a lot of people I interact with today, I call them they're they're the they're the, they're the, the Shabbat police or the or the mm-hmm. Torah the Torah police. Mm-hmm. That you know, they're they're we mm-hmm. say we have this free uh, phrase in Hebrew. They're they're gonna um, they're gonna be checking your tzitzit. Mm-hmm. You're checking your fringes to make sure that they're according mm-hmm. to all the stipulations, and um, and if if the if the if the seat seat uh, checkers or the Torah police had shown up here, they would have said, "Whoa, whoa, God! You can't be talking to Solomon. Mm-hmm. He just sinned." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And instead, Yehovah said, "I'm bigger than what you think I am." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but and, and again, the point is that he that he met with him, and yeah. then I think the thing that that, that kind of threw me that I like, like if I can go to First Kings three six, it says yeah. that Solomon said. You've shown great loving kindness to your servant David. That's a statement that we can we can go and, and look further into. Mm-hmm. According as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you, and you have reserved for him this great loving kindness. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, "You have made your servant king in place of my father David." Yet, and then in, in, in different phrases, it says it yet, but in the NASB it says yet, but I am a little child. And this is something that um that really caught my attention because we don't know exactly. How old Solomon was? No one can say. In verse uh, Kings fourteen, verse five, it says Solomon was twelve. Not right. like you know. Well, but look, says, how, you know, I'm, yeah. where it says, hold on, <laughs> thank you. So, anyways, it doesn't say exactly how old he is. We don't have that. Like we have statements over yeah. and over in Kings. So and so was this age. So and so was this age. So and so was this age. With Solomon, we don't get an age, but we get this phrase. That he was a was a I think it is ah naar naar katar yeah so he's a he's he's a small child little child etc we don't know how old he is and then this this small child however old he is prays this prayer mm-hmm. and and the reason this this caught me is because when he says it he says I'm in the midst of your people and I've chosen a great people he says so give your servant in English it says an understanding heart but what it says in Hebrew it says it says to give your heart your servant a heart, a lev shomea, a heart that's almost like a heart that's listening. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the idea that Solomon is is at, at at this young age saying, okay, I don't know it all. What if more people did this? I don't know it all. I'm in a process. I love you. I definitely love you. But I don't know it all, and I really need your help. And so I want to listen. And I'm, I, 
I don't know what it is about this. It's like a heart that's listening versus a heart that's that's speaking. He's he's basically saying, "Here I am, speak to me, and I'll do it." It's it's like my heart is ready. It's attentive. Mm-hmm. It's ready to be. It's ready. And then of course he he prays this prayer. He says, "Who's able to judge this great people of yours?" It was pleasing. What was pleasing? That he asked this thing. And what thing did he ask? That his heart would listen. Yeah. I mean, I think you know. Even as we do these 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 prophet prophet pearls, you know, we we don't we don't know it all. You know, we might have our computers. I mean, I think let's see, one, two, three, four <laughs> books and computers, and 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 even at David's prayer, he says, you know, open my eyes that I might what? Yeah, that I might see th- th- these wonderful things. Yeah. And and here his son comes along and he says, may my heart listen. Yeah. And, and really, that's where I what I love about doing these doing these studies yeah. is that is that here's this young this young child, however old he is. That knew to, how he knew this to pray this prayer. <laughs> yeah, we don't know how he knew it, but he prayed it, and yeah. then God answered that prayer. So that was the thing that really. Yeah, and, and about his age, I mean, I don't know that we can really assume that he's you know twelve. Because we don't know. We don't the, know we, because you know think about it in the U.S. Constitution, the president has doesn't he have to be forty five years old to be president. Mm. So imagine you're king of Israel. Maybe he's I'm forty one years old, mm-hmm. and I feel like Solomon. I'm a young man. I'm a young I'm a young boy, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot I don't know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, it, you know, the thing that it goes on in verse 314, before we get to verse 15, and this mm-hmm. is the other thing, the connection with what you just said. He says, if you walk in my ways, boy, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commands as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. And, of course, you can read what those statutes are. And over mm-hmm. and over again, we'll talk about doing this prolongs your days. Honoring right. your father and your mother prolongs your days. Doing right. this, you know, I mean, over and over then it says, and then this is the verse that I like, and this is the beginning of the actual portion, right. 315. If you guys, I hope you got your Bibles open, at least more than one, because you've got to catch up to us here. Then Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream, and then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark. And <laughs> then what does he do? He offers more burnt offerings and makes pizza offerings. And then, it, you know, in English, Did you say pizza offerings? Pizza, it says, peace, peace. Pe- Pizza offerings. Pizza offerings. <laughs> you went to Pizza Hut? Yeah. And made a feast for all the servants and some people. I just want to stop right yeah. here and I want to be um, not taking a deeper look. You know, it would be really easy if, you know, when you see the word feast, you could think, oh, this must be one of the feasts. You know, you could you could do a whole whole message and say this. Maybe this is one of the feasts. In fact, the word is it's not one of the feasts. But it's an example where the same word can be used, but two different meanings. Feast of the Lord. What is the Hebrew word behind that oh, and oh, the feast here? Oh, you're See? doing the word mishteh? Yeah, mishteh. No, I'm saying oh, that that's an is not a moed. Exactly. Moed is a point of time. Exactly. Chag is a, a pilgrimage festival. Yep. This is yep. mishteh, a different word altogether. Yep. It means so, there, it was a drinking party. Yeah, absolutely. So they're having a time. But then he says he stood before the ark. Now, I want to stop there because let's just talk just for a second yeah. about the significance. Can you read the whole phrase? Yeah, go ahead. The ark of the Aaron Brit Adonai, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It actually does say there, Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does say I don't know. So here you have the you have the ark place. You know the, the, this this. I don't even know how to. Um, I, I honestly don't even know how to start talking about it. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's interesting. Before he got the divine wisdom, he went and he offered offerings at Givon at Gibeon, mm-hmm. and after he got the divine wisdom, he said, "Wisdom." He said, "Oh, maybe I need to go to Jerusalem and <laughs> offer these offerings," <laughs> which I think is also a part. We call it you call it the, uh, the 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 joy of the journey, and and the joy mm-hmm. of the journey says. God meets Solomon as a young, whatever the age is, he meets him at this place, 41. whatever it is, and he brings him to the next place. And I think that that's another picture that I like about this story is that um, that our father in heaven would, would, would meet him 
at a high place and then bring him to this place and then we get a chance to see what happens. So, yeah. if you want to, Nehemiah, we can get right into this. I, 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 well, I, I'm not I, done with Solomon. Yeah, no, so I he's mean, the wise. I, I think we really, you know, the story is a great story, and everybody knows the story. Come on, and we'll talk about no. The details, a lot of people don't know the story. We're going right. to tell the story. But I want to talk about. I want to talk about why it was so important for him to ask to be for 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 wisdom, and it wasn't just wisdom. Let's go back mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Um, the exact verse, mm-hmm. which is I think verse nine. Yep. Um, yeah, it says, and uh, may you give to your uh, servant a listening heart. And it says, lishpot, to judge your people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to uh, to discern between good and evil, or literally mm-hmm. to, to know mm-hmm. between good and evil, mm-hmm. um, to understand between good and evil. Because uh, who can judge this this, this heavy people, literally heavy it says. People. Yeah. So, so what, judge. You know, we have an American law, um, and I say American because that's, you know, where I grew up. Um, we have this concept of the uh, separation of powers. And we have, you know, and it's funny, I asked my Chinese students, do you know, how does the American government work? And they said, oh, there's three sections. There, and they actually knew this. They said, there's the legislature, the judiciary, and the executive. Mm-hmm. And I said, how does your government work? And they said, we have no idea. They literally said that. Um, but so everyone knows this, even Chinese people. The American has three, and their separation of powers, and each is separate. Well, in, in biblical Israel, it wasn't quite so simple. Mm-hmm. Meaning the, the main function of the king after you know, ruling, one of his main functions was to be a judge. Mm-hmm. And that actually goes back way back, and I'm, I just want if we can spend a couple minutes on this, I think it's really important that the role of the king of Israel is to be a judge and to be a righteous judge, and that's mm-hmm. really what he was asking to have the discernment to be a righteous judge. Deuteronomy 17 talks about if you don't know what to do in a matter of judgment, you go up to the temple and you ask, you can ask two two different groups of people there. One is the Levitical priests. And the other is the judge. And it actually says mm-hmm. Hashofet, the judge. He's mm-hmm. the high judge. Mm-hmm. He is the head of the Supreme Court. We see in the book of Judges, there's a whole era of judges. And we have judges like who, who, you know, who, the, who is the top judge in all of Israel. Mm-hmm. And that judge is also a leader by default, meaning mm-hmm. that's the Hebrew thinking. A judge, the high judge is a leader. So we have, um, you know, we have Jephthah and we have, oh, we have a whole bunch of judges. Uh, Gideon and um, anyway, the era of judges... Uh, gives way to the era of kings. And, and, and explicitly, the people come and they say, look, this judge system, we're not happy with it. We want a commander-in-chief to come and be our, 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 our king and also judge. And that's exactly what they say to Solomon, uh, sorry, to Saul. In, um, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 5. It says, uh, they said to him, uh, you have grown old to, 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 sorry, this is not Saul, it's Samuel, the Samuel. prophet. Mm-hmm. And they said to Samuel, you have grown old and your sons have not followed your ways. Therefore, appoint a king for us. And then the JPS says to govern us like all the other nations. Mm-hmm. But in the Hebrew, it doesn't say govern us. It says to judge us like all the nations. Mm-hmm. So the role of the king is to be a judge. And that, that's what he's thinking. And then one more verse, which I think is a really important one. It's talking about the future king Messiah. May he come soon and bring world peace. Isaiah chapter 11. Can we read that one? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, all right, Isaiah 11, I'll read it in the JPS. But a shoot shall grow out of the stump of Jesse, a twig shall sprout from his stock, a very famous passage. Mm-hmm. The spirit of Jehovah shall light upon him, a spirit of wisdom and insight, a spirit of counsel and valor, mm-hmm. a spirit of devotion and reverence for Jehovah. Um, then verse three, he shall sense the truth by his reverence for Jehovah. He shall not judge by what his eyes behold, nor decide by what his ears perceive. Thus he shall judge the poor with equity. Remember, this isn't the head of the Supreme Court. This is the king of Israel mm-hmm. who's going to reign on the throne and rule the entire world. Uh, but he, his, one of his main functions will be to judge. He will judge the poor with equity and decide with justice for the lowly of the land. He shall strike down a land with the rod, uh, rod of his mouth and slay the wicked with the breath of his lips. 
Justice shall be girdle, the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his waist, etc. It said, lion, the, the wolf shall uh, dwell with the lamb, uh, etc. Okay, so... Um, so we have this image of the of the king as a judge, mm-hmm. and and I think when we read this story about Solomon, we can think about Solomon. But can I say this that he's a type of the Messiah? He is mm-hmm. a Messiah, but he's the type of the future Messiah, mm-hmm. the, the, the the from the line of David. Mm-hmm. And that's what we we read earlier. We were talking about the the line of David, and that was I think it was almost uh, three three episodes ago. So if people didn't get a chance to listen to that, they can actually go. To that prophet prose, do you have that verse in me off the top of your head? Which the, one? The prophet prose that we um, that we read about David. It was in First uh, Kings chapter one. First Kings chapter one is where we were talking about uh, talking about David and how this whole thing set up for Solomon to be uh, for Solomon to be uh, yeah, the king. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> yes, it's First Kings chapter one. Okay, okay. so now that now the, the the here comes the circumstance, the situation, yeah, now the, the actual uh, story, the story that every you say everyone knows that uh, we don't need to read it. Then no, I, of course, I say we don't a lot need of people read it. Don't know it. I'm just saying. So here we real, go. I think it's as First, important to get the context. Yeah, as absolutely, the story I'm 100 percent with you on that. First Kings chapter three verse sixteen, yeah. and then it says, and then two women. And it says who were harlots in the in the NAS S, S, yeah. uh, translation. And it says in Hebrew, zonot. They're, zonot, they're prostitutes. yes. The prostitutes, it says there. You know, it's really interesting, Nehemiah. There's a uh, there's there's sometimes where you'll read something in scripture. Mm-hmm. And I know there are different historic um, people that will do translation or, or, or interpretations. And it was really, really interesting. There was um, an interpretation that these weren't actually harlots. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, the interpretation was that they were. No, <laughs> listen. And the interpretation was Just that. Just says they were. Well, well, well here's. <laughs> Well, here's here, here's what the issue was. The issue was whether or not harlots, actual um, prostitutes, would be able to go before the king, before the righteous king, and and come in with this this issue. So the issue was they were trying to figure out how to get around it. So can I give you one of the interpretations? Sure, I haven't heard this. So yet. one of the interpretations is no, they weren't actually prostitutes. They were actually um, uh, people who were uh, were um, what do they call it? Um, Tavern runners. They're running the tavern. Oh, yes, you know okay. about this. Okay, yeah, that I'm familiar with. Okay, okay. you are. So well, you I mean, do know. No, I know. So you're sandbagging us. No, no. You know well, that there's yeah. a tradition where there's well, a different wherever there's a prostitute, of, like wherever there's a prostitute you want to say is righteous. In, in in some of the Jewish sources, they'll say she was a pundakait. That's right. Which is a which is a, a tavern. So, folks, here's what's happening no, but, here. I'm trying to draw yeah. him out. I, so, I, like, I, in, I, for I, example, Rahab, Rahab, the the prostitute, they'll yes. say that. Well, she no, she was just a she was just an innkeeper. That's really the word innkeeper. Yeah. And so the point is, they were saying, well, no, the husbands were gone they got in a situation these were actually two handicapers let's just go with the word right well but but why what, what you know so, and here's where they're getting it in the aramaic translation it does yep. say uh for rahab that she was a pundakait an innkeeper mm-hmm. but that's because it's like in, it was kind of like in the old west mm-hmm. where the inn was also the, the brothel because mm-hmm. where else do you have a bed that you can rent by the you know the hour mm-hmm. so that's in the inn um and so but no these obviously were our prostitutes and Rahab was a prostitute and that was the whole point of the story mm-hmm. um, but I think the point of them being prostitutes here is that even these lowly prostitutes can get justice from from the king mm-hmm. and so that's what happens they come they come before and one woman says oh my lord this woman and I live in the same house and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house it happened on the third day I could do a sermon on this that's it not- happened on the third day I gave birth that this woman also gave birth to a child and we were together. There was no stranger. She makes sure to let you know the circumstance. There was no mm-hmm. other person in the house. Uh, only the two of us in the house. This woman's son died in the night because she laid on it. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from beside me while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead son in my bosom. 
And then 321, if I can continue. Mm -hmm. When I arose in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him carefully in the morning, behold, he was not my son whom I had born. You know, it's really, it's really interesting when I read that, um, when that, when I read that, and this is what happens for me. I try to slow down in, in, in passages and get the picture that's happening here. So, um, so the picture is maybe it's, maybe it's early in the morning. Those women who, who nurse the, their children, sometimes they wake up at, you know, four o'clock, four thirty in the morning and it's, and it's, you know, you can't see. So she's trying to nurse the child. She comes to find out that the child is dead. But then later, mm-hmm. she looks in the in, in in the light of day, and she says, "Wait." I mean, so maybe at first, when this happens, at first she's thinking, "My son is dead," because yeah. she can't see him. It's not like yeah. you can just flip a light on, right. you know, where they're living. I mean, you know, so they say it's, it's dark. Children, I don't know if you you know these children. They wake up like four o'clock. They wake up at nighttime. It's so immature of them. <laughs> Such a, yeah. So they wake up. They wake up at nighttime. So she's she's feeding her child. Maybe it's the time that she's doing this. And then when the morning night light comes, she notices this is not her son. Mm-hmm. So it says, behold, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman. Now, this is where things get interesting. The other woman comes in and begins to do her thing. Uh, 322. And I think I like I, I mean, I shouldn't say I like, but I mean, the way that this is, I'm, I'm trying to scroll at the same time. Uh, and the other woman, she said, no, for the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. Thus, they spoke before the king. And so we have a legitimate <clears throat> argument happening before the king, and I and remember of, they don't have DNA tests, so there's no way, yeah, there's and, no scientific way to determine. And there are no witnesses; they can't. They, there's no father right. that can come in to talk, you know, to, to talk on one's behalf or the other's behalf, or, right. or whoever. Um, well, because the father doesn't even know yeah, he has yeah. a child. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But uh, one of the things that that came to me was this: I was thinking about. So, what is this? This this happening? So you have the one who's coming to bring her case. Then you have the other one that's saying, hastily, I'm going to bring my case. I thought immediately of uh, uh, Proverbs 25, 8. It says, do not go out hastily to argue your case. Otherwise, what will you do in the end when your neighbor humiliates you? In other words, she's coming and she's saying, look, I'm ready to bring my case. The other one's going to bring her case. They're battling back and forth before the king. Now, I don't know what you would do, Hmm. but for me, I would think, you know, let me... Bring this down to one of the lower judges. <laughs> you know? and, in other words, and, may, like, and maybe it did go to the one of the lower judges, yeah. and and they said we don't know what to do, and it ended up at the king. I mean, yeah, we don't know amazing. the background of the case. It's amazing. How it's it ama- ended up at Solomon. Yeah, it's amazing. So when when <clears throat> this actually happens, then you know again, the, the, unless you want to say anything about about the uh, well, so so <laughs> yeah, so so when I read this, uh, here's where I, you know my my rabbinical background and, and culture comes in. The first thing that I, you know, think uh, when I read it, and how far did you get there? Only uh, just to, this is just the end of the story of them talking. You can. Oh, okay. But, yeah. Yeah. So, so actually let's finish the story and I'll tell you the rabbinical background because okay. it, it immediately pops into my head and it's obviously based on this story. Mm. Um, and and, and I, I would venture to say, I'm going to share it. So there's, there's, mm-hmm. there's a section that every Orthodox Jew, uh, every Orthodox Jewish male studies in the Talmud. Mm-hmm. And it's the beginning of the of the tractate of Baba Matsya mm-hmm. um, in the Talmud, and it has to do and, and it's actually something that that I had to memorize as a child. This, this mm-hmm. is one of the only passages in the Talmud that I, I ha- actually it was several pages. But how old I, were you when you had to memorize it? Oh, I think I was like in fourth grade or fifth okay. grade, something like yeah. that. And it and it starts out Shnayim Ochazim Batalit Zeh Omer Ani Matzatia Vezeh Omer Ani Matzatia Zeh Omer Kula Sheli Vezeh Omer Kula Sheli. 
זה ישיבה שאין לו פחות מחצי, אבל זה ישיבה שאין לו פחות מחצי, אבי החלוקו. זה אומר, אקססצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצצ
so so we have this story, Nehemiah. We've got them battling back and forth, and and then we get to this this sentence of the king, and he says, uh, Solomon says um, that in verse number. Uh, let's see if I can get there real quick. Uh, verse number twenty three. Okay. Yeah. Verse number twenty three. Uh, then the king said, he he, he kind of repeats them. The one says, "This is my son who is living, and your son is the dead one." And the other one says, no, for your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. The king then said, get me a sword. And at this point, <laughs> that's the game is about to change. Because he says, get me a sword, and I get you a sword. What do you mean? <laughs> so they brought a sword before the king. The king said, and if you could read this in the Hebrew, I think it would be really nice. Just act like you're Solomon, okay? You, I want you to be Solomon for a minute, and I want you to quote what Solomon said okay. when he said it. And the king said, Cut the, cut the living child into two and give half to one and half to one. Now, let me go ahead and tell you what I really want to say. What's that? I feel like I hear these words today. Oh, really? I feel like when I hear Solomon say that, I hear these words um, from many leaders around the United States and the world that literally say this. Oh. One says it's theirs, and the other one says it's theirs. So here's what we're going to do. Let's come up with a two-state solution. Let's cut the baby in half. Oh. Let's ha- you have your half. You have your half. And in fact, what they're really saying, and I, I want to I give a little promo here, because when I read this story, Nehemiah, some, I've, I've read this story all the time, but I was really, this, this year, I've really been struck by what's happening, and I've kind of stayed out of it, but I've really been struck by what's happening in the land of Israel regarding um, the politics of the land of Israel, and specifically when it comes to what I call the, 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 the cut the baby in half uh, idea that somehow, let's just, let's just have you take this part and have you take this part. The simple solution, you do this over here, you do this over here, and everybody will be fine. When in fact, what I believe is happening is they're killing the baby. The baby, if I can use this carefully, the baby mm-hmm. is Israel. Okay, this is the living baby, and there's someone who has birthrights to the living to, to, to Israel, and then there's there's others who would say, look, we may not have birthrights, but this is our you know this is our land too. Now that sounds like a simple simple parallel, but I want to bring this up because <clears throat> I've really been struggling with, um, and specifically I've been struggling with the United States' position regarding Israel and the simple answers that keep coming out. You know, 1960, we can talk about this. I mean, this, I, I actually think there's, there's room to talk about this. You know, Israel does what it does, gets attacked, tries to defend itself, gets attacked, tries to defend itself. And then you've got sort of these people on the outside who come up with these simple answers. Well, you know what? Just go back to the 1967 lines. Just do this. Go back, you know, and, and what, it, what it always ends up doing is it doesn't bring life to the people even in Israel. Mm-hmm. In my humble opinion, it actually brings, it brings death. And I think hmm. staying on that, and that, if, if the story ended right here, yeah. if the story ended right here, yeah. people could say, well, you know, Keith, you know, you, you've gone too far. But what do we find in the story? We find out that by asking the question, who loves the land? Mm-hmm. And I would say something. Now, I want you to challenge me. Yeah. I feel like sometimes, and maybe we should get to the verse, mm-hmm. but that, that even the present, many, many Jews in, in Israel would say, well, okay, rather than causing, you know, major, major issues. Let's keep giving. Let's keep doing. We want to keep, I mean, there's just more and more. I, I mean, you bend over backwards sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, 
I, you know, for me, I feel yeah. like eventually you've got to come to the place where you say, okay, mm-hmm. enough is enough and, and let's have a judgment. I think that judgment ultimately mm. in scripture gonna come. is going to come. So and, that's and, my, and, that's my beating, beating the Yeah. Judgment. And just to extend your analogy, it's almost like they're saying, um, let's give the ears and the arms, uh, you know, and, and to, to one, one part and we'll mm. give the legs and the torso to the other. And what ends up is we're, we're fighting over the head now. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's killing the baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's a powerful analogy. So, wow. so let me tell you yeah. what I did. And this is actually, if we can take a moment here just to do a yeah. little ministry minute. One of the things I did this year yeah. was I was invited to write for Breaking Israel News. And this was one of the first couple articles I wrote. And the title of the article, and I'm actually going to post it again when we put this up for um, on uh, BFAinternational.com. I'm going to post the article when we do Prophet Pearls. It was called Don't Cut the Baby in Two. And I was addressing... This whole issue of what they call the two-state solution, which I think is not a solution at all. That we can go into that. We can go into depth about that. But what I am committed to doing is continuing when the doors open. Um, effective doors for ministry, you want to walk through them. And one of the things, one of the effective doors for ministry was to be able to write. And I think there's probably seven or eight articles. And one of the things that's really interesting, there might be eight or nine or ten um, people that are writing for Breaking Israel News. But one of the things happens is when I'll write an article, the social media aspect of it is amazing. The people that will that will hear it and they'll share it and they'll hear it and they'll share it and like literally this is humbling. Like that article, I think there's like 700 plus shares wow. on one article. And again, it's the power of social media. Now at the same time, Nehemiah, I just have to say that um there's also challenges with social media. And one of the things that you've been I have been trying to do is to is individually with our separate ministries but also together is to is to get that information out to people so that they can share it with their friends and share it with their friends. And that's why Prophet Pearls is so ex- exciting. That's why with BFA International at least for us, this has been a great opportunity because we have got a chance to every week bring the word of God which is in line with the mission, inspiring people around the world to build a biblical foundation for their faith. And what Breaking Israel News is, it says Breaking Israel News, news from a biblical perspective. So that, mm. again, fits in with the mission. Most of what you're going to hear, uh, well, hopefully all of it, is somehow connected to helping people understand the Bible better. So that's BFAinternational.com. Go there, sign up as a free member. And if you're really so moved before the end of the year, consider being a part of the premium content library. That's going to help us produce even more information that's going to be coming out if we can get the people that will support it. And, of course, my ministry is McCore Hebrew Foundation. And uh, my website, NehemiahsWall.com. And, and I want to invite people to head over to NehemiahsWall.com and join my what I call the support team. Um, by becoming a, a member of the support team, it allows me to continue my ministry of empowering people with information to defend the Word of God and, and build their faith mm-hmm. based on ancient Hebrew sources. And it also gives you access to uh, my uh, support team studies that are already changing people's lives. Um, I actually put one out um, by the time this is aired a couple months ago called The Fundamental Flaw of Judaism. And I was sharing there this uh, revelation I had driving to uh, Roswell, New Mexico, and it had nothing to do with aliens. Um, <laughs> and, and I got this really touching email I wanted to share from this uh, woman named Anne. And she wrote, uh, life-changing? That's an understatement. Wow, that explains everything. This was after listening to Fundamental Flaw of Judaism. Mm-hmm. It says, it's these types of revelations and teachings that gives me an extra, per, extreme personal confirmation that Yah is giving himself and making himself known. Thanks for being the vessel this time. Mm-hmm. So I really want to encourage people, go over to NehemiahsWall.com. There's, there's literally hundreds of hours of free information there and free teachings. And, but also, if you really want to go to the next level, mm-hmm. then please consider joining the support team. Mm-hmm. And that will give you access to these uh, support team studies. And, and then also, uh, both Keith and I, we have, uh, we've got podcasts on iTunes. 
And uh, and actually, I found out that that there are these other websites that kind of mirror iTunes. If you're not an Apple person, like I've gone over to the Samsung uh, Android side, and I can now go with my Samsung and access these things that are like iTunes, and it has the same exact thing. But it really does help if you go to iTunes if you're an Apple person and give us a rating to uh, NehemiahsWall.com uh, podcast and BFAInternational.com pod- podcast. And really, really important, please share these profit pearls every week. Uh, we need we need the people to stand with us on the wall and, mm-hmm. and, and share share it, get the information out there. I don't know if you realize this, Keith. Well, I know you do, but I don't know if the people realize this. But if you have a, a large number of people who are following your information on Facebook, mm-hmm. Facebook actually charges you money to to put your information in front of those people. Mm-hmm. Like they first tell you it's free, and then when it actually comes time to send a message out, They'll say, if you really want people to see this, you've got to pay us. Oh, absolutely. It's like kind of like this bait and switch thing that that, that Facebook does. Mm-hmm. Um, and can, can you can, can we talk about the Facebook controversy? Or do you talk, uh, well, I mean, I'm still vexed by it. Can, can you please? I mean, it happened just this morning. And obviously, uh, this is going to be broadcast um, sometime down the road, but we're pre-recording. I need you to talk about it. Well, I'm, it's, it's just, it's, it, to be honest with you, I really, I, I really want to stick on this right now because okay. it's just really, it's really frustrating to me. Uh, the, the what you've talked about bait and switch and, and what happens and, in and now they, media. they've graduated to essentially censorship like yeah. you know I mean it's something yes. I would expect from a fascist regime in the third world yeah. that's what Facebook is doing now yeah, so okay so um, if we can go to 326 because right. this is going to be the note. key <laughs> on that note this is the key verse uh, 326 then the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the yeah. king for she was deeply stirred over her son and said Oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. And, and Nehemiah, I have to just tell you, mm-hmm. when I read uh, the, that, that phrase, I was reminded of a really interesting thing that happened. And I want, us to, I want mm-hmm. you to consider this as the word of the week. Um, this is really interesting. I want us to go three weeks to in Genesis. Row, well, no, the three weeks. No, well, I, you know what? If this one it's is fine, too much. Ahead. Genesis 43.30. I want you to yeah. go to Genesis 43.30. We see the same phrase in Genesis 43.30 that we see in 1 Kings. When it says deeply stirred, I mean, we could pass over that really quickly. I want to give what the meaning of the mm. word, not the second word, um, Raham. I want to give the, the, the first word, which it which basically, and if you would be willing to, uh, to to look at the whole word, okay? And in fact, why don't we do this? 43.30, would you read uh, 43.30 in Hebrew? And then I want you to read 1 Kings 3.26 in Hebrew and see if we can hear the same kind of phrase. Okay. In the verse in Genesis you want? Yep. 43. It says, Vayamahel Yosef, and Joseph uh, heard, Ki nichmeru rachama v'lachiv. There it is, right there. Now nichmeru. read in first, first Kings 3.26. His mercies were nichmeru to his brother. Mm-hmm. And it's 20, 26? Yep. 3.26. Okay. It says, Ki rachameha, for mm-hmm. her mercy was, again, nichmeru, nichmar. Okay. So what is the word uh, nichmeru? Yeah, yeah. So, so let's really talk about question. what this word is because I, I, I got kind of excited about this word. Meaning now, that when now, she, do you have an answer? What, no, well, no. I'm, I'm wanted to do the, 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 the word of the week. I mean, um, oh, that, that's, uh, you want is that, that really to too be, much? I think that's really too advanced. Okay, it's too advanced. I'll tell people what it means. Okay, and you can. Act, and, and what I love is where, where you know we have these words and you get to see the literal meaning. Mm-hmm. Like there's often a, a derived what we call that's an abstract meaning. Exactly. And if you look at the literal meaning, you you understand what the abstract meaning is. And so we have a verse in Lamentations five ten. And there it says, um, our skin glows like an oven. Mm-hmm. And um, 
let's see. Wow. And the King James says our skin was black like an oven, which mm-hmm. I, I don't know where they got that. They just mm-hmm. made that up. Mm-hmm. Um, our skin is hot as an oven in the NIV, and that's probably the closest. Mm-hmm. Nifmaru, it comes from the word to be hot. Mm-hmm. And, and the w- literal meaning is like an oven. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so Nifmaru achamav, or achameha, and, and for the feminine, is her mercy, her compassion was was got hot so i don't know if people have experienced this i actually experienced this and actually experienced this uh somewhat uh Nehemiah, even in discussing mm-hmm. this issue about the social media where yeah. there's a physical reaction mm-hmm. to something that's taking place out outside of your body and and in this situation when she says she was deeply stirred it's like you ever, you ever get that part where you get warm <laughs> like so you're like, saying facebook is making you warm i'm feeling very very warm about it today um and not in a good way not in a warm fuzzy way not in a good way but she, she said yeah. she was deeply stirred and yeah. so so again with joseph what happens he sees his brothers you know and he can't play the role anymore and he, he can't he yeah. can't be he can't be you know the, the 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 guy that's in the in the you know behind pharaoh's um you know, Pharaoh's government, he's looking at his flesh and blood right. and it moves him. It right. moves him. It brings him physically. Yeah. He physically feels it. And when I think about this, I think about that, that he that he runs from the room. And then I think about this woman who's hearing who's hearing her baby, her child is going to be cut in is half. going to be cut in half. And the response. And this is why I go back to the political issue. The response of the one that's not the mother. Let's blow it up. Let's have more terror. Let's knock it down. Let's, 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 you know, it's just, it's the same spirit. What does she say? So basically you're saying like, you know, Hamas that has a war and, and Gaza is flattened and and they say that's a victory. It's a victory because they're, they're, they're saying, look, we'd rather that Gaza be destroyed than, than, than than the child live. It's, Mm -hmm. so what does she say? She says, oh Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other one says he shall be neither mine nor yours. Mm-hmm. Give us the two-state solution. Divide them. We know it's not going to work. Destroy it. Yeah. Destroy it. So, and so, so this is my... Yeah. I wanted to bring up that verse because yeah. the response that we see of Joseph running out of the room yeah. is... We don't see her running out of the room, but it's the same response. Yeah. A deep, hot feeling of compassion that that... And I believe, lastly... When I look at some people, when I hear their responses of what's happening in Israel, in their eyes and in their in their voice, I hear that compassion for the land of Israel and for the people of Israel, and and they don't want to, they don't want the child to die, yeah. you know, and they're willing yeah. to sacrifice so the child doesn't die. Right. And and what's the image here of of the you know um, of this growing hot? Like what, physiologically, what's happening? I'm not a doctor, so I, I hope this is right. But it's my understanding that what's happening is basically there's you know um, some kind of release of I don't know if it's adrenaline or something like that mm-hmm. but then you 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 get blush on your face your mm-hmm. face turns mm-hmm. um, you know blood rushes to your face mm-hmm. and you feel this warmth in your face mm-hmm. and um, and that's actually the you know this great image in, in Lamentations 510 again which is mm-hmm. our skin glows like an oven or grows hot like an oven what's happening is it's you know the the blood is rushing to the face mm-hmm. and um, and this is what's happening with the woman it's not even it's not even a voluntary reaction it's a completely mm-hmm. involuntary Voluntary physiological reaction to where her mercy is stirred and her, you know, that's the word, the rachameha. And actually, the word mercy comes from the word for womb. Yeah. And here, Which literally, the, word of the, the baby came out of the womb. Yes. And so, you're going to force me to do this as our word of the week. So, this is a no, little No, we did advanced. this one already. No, no, right. so the nichmaru we're going to do. Oh, nichmaru. Okay, All right. So, this is the word that means to glow or to we grow got hot. Him, folks. We okay, got so, him, folks. so this is a little advanced. So, bear with me, people. Every word in Hebrew has a three letter root. The three letter root here is kaf mem resh. Which is um, kaf is the not kuf kaf like the backward c, um, kaf mem resh 
and it's Nichmaru. The U in Nichmaru is they. The Nun is um, the Nifal, which is one of the seven conjugations of Hebrew. It's one, a verb form. So it says Nichmaru, that they were um, made hot or to glow. Machameha, her mercy. So that's the word of the week. Awesome, and I, I will I will say yeah. this, Nehemiah. I really appreciate you doing doing that. It is a little bit advanced, uh, <laughs> but you know what? Uh, people getting the information, they, they can take their time, and little by little, just like you mentioned, the seven yeah. verbal stems. It's like, you know, that's something that people can actually learn. We got to figure out how, and I, I, I guess I won't say it, or we we'll end up doing another whole project, yeah. and we, we don't have the resources for it right now. But let's let's do this. So she has this she has this warm, <laughs> she has this 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 hot red whatever we want to call it yeah. feeling, and then. What does the king say in 27? Yeah. Then the king said, give the first woman to the living child and by no means kill him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, no, I'm, I'm reading give, it in English. Here. Give the first woman? What? What? Give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is his mother. Now can you read it in a different translation? What, what translation would you like? Any other translation? Oh, that's the NIV, right? That's the NASB. Oh, the NASB. Let's try the NIV. See if okay, it gets 327. Closer. Let's do it in uh, 327. It says here, then the king gave this ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. Okay, so you, you can read Hebrew. Show me the word in Hebrew that says first, first woman. Well, well, let's see. 327, then the king said, give us uh, Oh, boy. So what it literally oh says is, it's and the king there. answered. Oh, boy. And he said, give her the living child, and the, and the, and, but don't kill him, for she is his mother. Who is his mother? It mm-hmm. doesn't say. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the beauty of Solomon's uh, solution of, of threatening to cut the, or saying he's going to cut the baby in half. Anybody who hears this story knows that uh, doesn't even need Solomon to tell us. Once he does what he does and says cut the baby in half and the woman responds, we don't even need it to tell us, oh, yeah, it was the woman who responded Mm-mm. and her her uh, her mercy was, mm-hmm. gl- you know, these are called English hot. translation helpers. Right. So the English translation thought you're so stupid. I need to tell you that it's the first woman. I'm going to dumb it down for you. Whereas you read it in the Hebrew and you're in awe because in the Hebrew you're, you're thinking it doesn't even say which one and it doesn't need to say because Solomon gave me the answer. Mm-hmm. And and now the answer is obvious. And that's the really powerful, brilliant you know, mm-hmm. things that people come up with are the things that afterwards you look back and it's just completely obvious. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, I will tell you this. I mean, I don't know if you if you know it or not. I mean, I, I, I'm really a little bit concerned because yeah. we're only at um, we're only at. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh, boy. 53 minutes. Only well, 53 minutes. It's supposed to be 45 minutes, but, you know, <laughs> in 45 minutes to an hour. But let's let's keep on going because we, we get to go to four one. Yeah. And it says when all Israel heard of the judgment, which the king had handed down they feared it says they feared the king for they saw that the wisdom of god was in him to do what to do judgment is what it says to do judgment so literally it says in uh and all israel heard the judgment which the king had judged mm-hmm. and uh and they feared the king or were in awe of the king for they saw that the wisdom the chokhmat elohim the wisdom of god was in him mm-hmm. to do judgment so this again is this idea of the king is the judge mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the main roles of the king and um, can I talk for a minute about this idea, Chochmat Elohim, the wisdom of God? Yes. That's a really powerful statement that Solomon had the wisdom of God. And let's jump ahead real quick, and, and I'll try to go through this quickly. One, five, uh, 1 Kings 5, 9 to 14, we have this great description of Solomon's wisdom. And uh, it says there, one second, 1 Kings 5, 9 to 14... Not working for me. Okay, here we go. It says Yehovah endowed Solomon with wisdom and discernment in great measure. 
with understanding as vast as the sands on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the Ketamites, that's the people of the East, and then all and greater than all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was the wisest of all men, wiser than Etan the Ezrachite and Haman and Chalcol and Darda and a bunch of other smart people. His fame spread among all the surrounding nations. He composed 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. Now, that's three, not 3,000 books of proverbs, but mm-hmm. like single or two sentence statements mm-hmm. that are proverbs. Um, his songs numbered 1,005. He discoursed about trees from the cedar in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. And he discoursed about beasts, birds, creeping things, and fishes. And people hear that and they're like, what? He was talking about animals. And, and what, hap- what happened in ancient Israel is people would give these parables having to do with animals. We have a great example mm-hmm. of the parable of Jotham, where Jotham you know, wants to talk about political um, leadership. And said he talks about you know, cedars and, and, mm-hmm. and bushes and things like that. So Solomon did you know, thousands of those. Men of all peoples came to hear Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the earth who had heard him heard of his wisdom. So Solomon is this really, really wise guy. It's telling us in 1 Kings 5. And then, you know, he's really a unique character in the Bible. And why, the reason I say that is Solomon uh, is involved in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, uh, let's see, 6, 7 different books. And he's mentioned in more. Mm-hmm. But um, so we have him obviously in 1 Kings and, and the parallel 1 Chronicles. Um, but then we also have the book of Proverbs. Now, I don't know if people realize this. Pro- Solomon didn't write the entire book of Proverbs. Mm-hmm. Chapters 30 and 31 are from different sages whose mm-hmm. names are given. So mm-hmm. we know who they are. But chapters 1 through 9 is one collection of the writings of, of the Proverbs of Solomon. Chapters 10 to 24 is a second collection of the of the Proverbs of Solomon. Mm-hmm. And I'm not making this up. Look, it says, it actually will yep. tell you, you know, the Proverbs of Solomon mm-hmm. in chapter 10. And then 25 to 29 is a third collection, mm-hmm. which was collected in the time of Hezekiah, we're told, mm-hmm. um, in, in the, of the Proverbs of Solomon. And then we have the book of Ecclesiastes, which doesn't mention Solomon by name, but is usually understood to be referring to Solomon. Mm-hmm. And the reason that it's understood to be Solomon is that he's the king over Jerusalem and he's the richest and he is the uh, wisest and well, who else could it be? Mm-hmm. Um, and Kohelet actually isn't in a name. It's not a name. Kohelet is a title mm-hmm. and it means the preacher or the, you know, the one who gathers a, a community to mm-hmm. preach. He's, mm-hmm. You're the Kohelet here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Song of Songs, which is, we're told explicitly is yes. Solomon. And then we have two Psalms that he wrote, Psalms or are at least attributed to him, mm-hmm. Psalm 72 and 127. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, think about it. Other than Moses, who do we have that is such a prolific writer in the Bible? Where's mm-hmm. the book that David wrote? We don't mm-hmm. have it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I really think, I, I mean, I, off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure that he is the most prolific writer of who, of an, of someone whose name we yeah. know after, after Moses. Mm. And so that really makes him a unique character. And it's interesting because we talked about the division of, of knowledge into three realms. We talked about this in, in uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and it talks about in ancient Israel, there was three realms of knowledge. There was Torah, which was taught by the Kohen, uh, meaning instruction. There was a word or vision, which is taught by the prophet, we call prophecy. And the third one is wisdom, Mm -hmm. which is taught by the elder or the sage. And Solomon is of the third category, the sage. And that's why Kohelet, Ecclesiastes in English, and Song of Songs and Proverbs, three of his books, Mm -hmm. uh, and and the two Psalms he wrote, um, are all in this section, the third section of the Mm -hmm. prophets, what they call today the writings, but really Mm -hmm. it's the section of the wisdom. Wow. Divine wisdom. It's interesting. First Kings four one says, "Now King Solomon was king over all Israel." That's how it ends. But what's yeah. interesting to me when I read that, I'm actually reminded of the of, of prophet pearls. 
uh, of Torah pearls. I'm sorry, I get these things so confused. The I think other Torah people, pearls, the other right. people, get it confused too. There's confusion about season ones and season twos and prophet pearls and Torah pearls. But when we, but yeah, when we did it, the original uh, Torah pearls, um, yeah. that section that we talked about, why was this selected? It's talking about Joseph, who also became uh, one who was very wise. And it's really interesting, you know, the story of Solomon. He's having this dream, and God speaks to him. In the story of Joseph, and there's basically the dream that the Pharaoh, and he goes and he interprets it, and ends up being the one who has the wisdom to know how to not only um, extend the life of those that were in Egypt, but for all of Israel. And uh, when I read those parallels, and I hope people will do this, they'll go to NehemiahsWall.com, they'll go to BFAInternational.com, and listen to uh, the original uh, Torah pearls. Listen to Prophet Pearls if you haven't listened to the ones before. And then every once in a while, we'll do something special. Like, I'm going to add this article that got me in major trouble called Don't Cut the Baby in Two. <laughs> I'm actually going to put that at the BFAInternational.com um, uh, um, listing of, uh, of Prophet Pearls. Yeah, we'll post that on Nehemia as well. Also, but if there's anything else, Nehemia, I mean, we're, we're, we're uh, oh boy, one hour exactly. Wow. <laughs> Anything else? Can, can I can I just end with no? I, I do have to share some other things. So Solomon okay. really is a special character. That, that did you know that Solomon is the son of God? Well, I, I, can I share that with people? You know, I I actually I did something really controversial, but for me it wasn't controversial. But people came up to me after and said, "What did you do? You know, did you convert to Christianity?" I I I, I, I prayed a prayer. We were preaching in a tent in in uh in the in the high um the high desert of California, and I'd actually literally preach through a pair of shoes. I'm going to try to get him to stop here. I, I mean, Nehemiah, you're going to really tell what happened? I'm I mean, going to share what we're, happened. We're, 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 so I was preaching in the high desert of California, and you were there too, and you were also preaching, and I and I prayed a prayer, and I asked Yehovah to, um, I said, Yehovah, I want to know who the one you've chosen as the Messiah. I want to know his name. And I asked Yehovah to reveal to me his son. And... I have no problem praying that prayer because to me, the king of Israel will be the son of God. There's no question about that in my mind. And I can bring you chapter and verse that the king of Israel is son, the son of God. 1 Chronicles 28, 6. And here God says, uh, he said to me, it will be your son. This is actually David telling Solomon what Jehovah revealed to him. Uh, Jehovah said to David, or, you know, he said to me, it will be your son Solomon who will build my house and my courts for I have chosen him to be a son to me and I will be a father to him. And I look forward to the time very soon when the king of Israel, who will be Jehovah's son and Jehovah will be his father, will sit on his throne and the people will beat their swords into plowshares and bring peace to the whole world. And that man Solomon, we're told in 2 Samuel 12, 25, he was Yedidiah, the friend of Yah, hmm. the, the, the one who is friends, beloved of Yehovah. And this is my prayer, Yehovah. I'll end in prayer. Hmm. Avinu Shabashamayim, Father in heaven, you chose Israel as a nation to be your son. And you are our father. And it is our, as our chosen role, our, our role, our, our duty is to... Teach your word to the nations to be a nation of priests, a holy nation and a mamlechet koanim v'goy kadosh, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And Yehovah, we look forward to the time, may it be very soon, when the one you've chosen as your son, he sits on the throne of David and he brings peace to the world. And he ends this conflict. He ends the conflict of the two people who come before you and say, this is my land. And the other says, this is my land. And, and the one wants to cut the land in half and the other doesn't even know what to do. He wants to, okay, let them cut it. And, you know, we're not going to kill it. 
Jehovah, please give us that time when the wolf will lie down with the lamb and there'll be peace. Peace for your city, Jerusalem, for your people, Israel, and for all of those who you've gathered to your covenant, for that remnant, the remnant from the fire that will remain, that will be loyal among the nations to your name and to your word. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit nehemiaswall.com and bfainternational.com. Thank you.